What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Sam and I are like consistently smiling because this episode was something you guys have not heard before. Um, So I'm going to jump right into the bio on our incredible guest today. Today, we had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Gregory Dodell, who is a board-certified endocrinologist who received his medical degree from Albany Medical College. He completed his internal medicine residency and endocrinology fellowship at St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital Center, which is affiliated with Columbia University. He is in private practice at Central Park Endocrinology, and you might know him as the everything underscore endocrine on Instagram. Yes. And we learned at the end of the episode that he went to University of Pittsburgh. Everybody knows that I am, a, you know, from there and I freaking love the Steelers. So that was just fun to learn. I, had I thought no you were going to talk about the Taylor Swift connection. Sorry. Now it's a spoiler. Spoiler. But like, uh, honestly, now you got to listen to under, to free, like figure out how Taylor Swift got brought into this conversation. But um, we absolutely loved this conversation. I can't believe he was our first endocrinologist. And this just really lit a fire under my ass that I'm like, I feel like we need to have more and more and more physicians on specifically physicians that are weight neutral, just like Dr. Gregory. And I was going to say he's our first endocrinologist because I don't know of many other ones that are neutral. And I, I'm sure there are. And if you guys know of any, please send them our way. But I mean, he is somebody who I followed for a long time. And like I say, in the episode, I messaged my team that we were interviewing um, him today and they were so excited because the information that he puts out on social media, I personally believe is really rare for a physician to be sharing. Yes. Yes. And we're not going to, spo- we're not going to give away the spoiler of who his wife is, but it makes sense <laughs> why he is the way he is when you figure out who his wife is. And um, just, it's awesome to know that there are physicians out there, just like we have, you know, Dr. Um, Asher Laramie that we've had on, on previous episodes, but having more and more physicians that are here for you and weight neutral and fair and unbiased and truly care about you and your health. That is seriously what is most important to them, which is just so refreshing to hear. And this conversation talks about why your weight is not a discussion in his doctor's office. Even if you bring it up as the patient, why he will not talk about it with you. Um, And I think that it's real, or the way that he will talk about it with you is so neutral. It's just a data point, like what we always talk about on this podcast. And, you know, just hearing the confidence in his voice about how he knows he's impacting people positively was like so 
refreshing. Um, and just, yeah, it's amazing. Just listen. <laughs> yes. Yes. We won't say any more because we just want you to listen to this amazing episode with Dr. Gregory Dodell. So let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. We are super freaking excited today. This is definitely our first endocrinologist that we've ever had on the podcast. So we are bringing you live Dr. Gregory Dodell, otherwise known as Instagram at everything underscore endocrine. Dr. Gregory, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be the first endo you have on board. I also kind of feel like we're talking to a unicorn because you also are a doctor who's taking weight out of his electronic medical records. <laughs> like there's so much incredibleness that I know we want to dive into today. So in order for us to do so, though, we love to kick off our episodes by asking our guests in your field or in your life, have you had a moment recently that has made you stop in your tracks and be like, what the actual fork is this person talking about? (laughs) Anything related to diet culture, endocrine world, anything at all? Yeah, I mean, it, it does happen a lot where patients come in and they tell me about their past experiences with, with other physicians, clinicians. Um, again, you know, I always say like, I don't think the intent is like malicious from, from other clinicians. It's just the way we are trained. But then when I hear it from the patient, I'm like, and also I'm practicing from this, from this weight, you know, inclusive model. So it's, it's very different in a lot of ways. Um, I'm like, whoa, like that, I can see why that's troublesome and why we hear and we see it in the research that so many people avoid going to the doctors, um, and going to the gyms and, and all the stuff in the workplace and families just around weight. So it really, it happens a lot and hopefully it'll be less, less common. Yes. Thank you so much for that point. And I uh, like jumping off of that would love to hear from you. I mean, you can take 30 seconds, 30 minutes, whatever you want um, to answer this question, but how have you gotten to where you are in your practice today being weight inclusive? Cause like you said, Jenna and I talk about our history as dietitians being trained in diet culture and we were trained to restrict people and basically give eating disorders. Um, and so there was a lot of unlearning and relearning and constantly learning still to this day. So were you always trained as a weight inclusive practitioner or how did you come to find uh, this magical, yeah. magical practice that you have? Yes, absolutely not. I'm married to the brilliant Alexis Connison. Um, who's so we'll be on our podcast shortly, I believe. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was like talking to her last night. I was like, Hey, did you ever schedule that? I'm doing it tomorrow. She's like, let me check. So cool. Awesome. I'm glad she did. I'm the one at home who has to like nudge her to like act and like schedule things and whatever. And I'm like, do things like the second they pop in my inbox. Um, so yeah. So from Alexis, really, I mean, we both trained in a hospital. Um, she was doing her postdoc actually in bariatric surgery research and I was doing my endocrine fellowship in a, in the obesity research center. And she came out, we both came out of training at the same time and she was in practice and she was doing bariatric surgery evaluations, which she'll probably inform you more about, but then she was like coming home and she was just seeing all these patients were just struggling. And she came across the haze and weight inclusive model. And it took me like 
five to 10 years after her, like telling me about it for me to like finally get it. Um, and even over the years, she'd be like, I think you're almost there, but I still can't like trust you to like tell colleagues about and whatever. And then like, I read her book a year, year and a half ago and like all the research and whatever, and just like clicked. And then I jumped on the, the Instagram social media ride and like, just been learning that way. Um, so it's been like a year, year and a half that I would say that she would give me like the stamp of like, I'm a hundred percent like weight inclusive. Oh, that's amazing. And second, how do you feel like your practice has changed now that you've transformed into this model? Like, do you see a big difference in just outcomes with your patients by taking this stressor off of them or just any changes at all? I would love to hear. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I don't think I'm practicing medicine any differently as far as how I prescribe medications, whether it be for diabetes or thyroid or PCOS. I'm just as you're, you're alluding to just taking the weight component out of the discussion and talking about health promoting behaviors, which people across the size spectrum um, can benefit from. I mean, I could tell anybody, no matter what their size is, like if they're not getting protein and fruits and vegetables in a diet, that that may benefit them. If they're not getting movement in that, that may benefit them no matter what their weight is. Um, so practicing that way feels good to me. Um, and hopefully the patients also feel that way. And obviously, I'm, it's a selection bias because I'm getting so many referrals for patients who are looking for this kind of model. Um, so I think that that's fulfilling for me. And hopefully the patients are, are happy that they're finding someone to practice this way. That is awesome. Awesome to hear. And just creating that safe space for them. And thank you for sharing, like, so honestly that you're like, yeah, it was about like 10, like five, 10 years, like before I really got it. And I think, I mean, Jenna and I are constantly sharing that, like, we're still learning and like, we all are. And um, I think anyone that says they're an expert in anything and knows everything is completely full of shit. So it's great. Well, it's hard. You know, here's the deal. I mean, it's really hard because, you know, as you know, you come from this training, number one, and the number two, you know, being in the endocrinology world and specifically like diabetes and PCOS, where a lot of times the recommendations, the guidelines are specifically weight loss. Mm -hmm. So, and also like all the stuff with blood sugar is so tied in with food. Um, it was really hard for me to kind of wrap my head around like, not making recommendations of like cutting down on carbs and things like that. And then like, how do I have those discussions, um, you know, from this weight inclusive standpoint and learning about mixed meals and pairing foods. And then also recognizing that so much of this is genetic and, and people are just going to need medication and people who need insulin don't have to avoid carbs and not have carbs. It just means for those given meals, they need, need more insulin. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just kind of covering what the body would normally be producing to cover that meal. So there's not like any shame or fault of taking a couple extra units of insulin if you want to have a bagel. Yes. Yes. You, you're, um, everything you're saying is music to our ears and it's great hearing it from, you know, someone so established like yourself, specifically in, in endocrinology. And we have a lot of questions personally, like we said before we, we came on with you, we have some uh, personal ties to PCOS and thyroid issues and all of the things. So would love to hear from you how you answer the question, you know, when someone comes into your office and let's say 
they're working with you and their thyroid numbers are out of whack and they say like, well, I know I need to lose weight because my TSH is elevated, right? Or I have hypothyroidism or I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. How do you start those conversations or what, what does that look like? Right. Well, I would say with regards to the thyroid, the medication dosing may change based on weight. If the weight goes up, you may need more thyroid hormone. If the weight goes down, you may need less, not always, but that's kind of a rough you know, rule. And with regard to the weight, I try and take that out of the equation and say, I'm going to focus on behaviors and all the things that we know support your thyroid. And as a result of those behaviors, the weight may change, but really trying to tease out why they want to lose weight. And, and again, you know, a lot of it's our culture and just people want to lose weight because that's what they're expected to do. And that's, you know, the beauty ideals and all the stuff that, that we've been exposed to, you know, our whole existence. Um, so that's a different conversation than taking care of your thyroid. Absolutely. And for those listening, because Jenna, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we have an episode that really goes into thyroid. Like I know we've had um, Julie Duffy Dillon on here talking all things PCOS, but would love to hear from you, Dr. Gregory, when you when you started to reference those behaviors regarding thyroid health. Um, again, I know this is very nuanced and going to be different depending on a person's behavior and their lifestyle and, um, you know, availability and access to certain things, but what are some of those behaviors regarding thyroid health that are just super important if someone's struggling uh, with their thyroid? Yeah. So people, people ask, what can I do? Should I be eating a certain way? Should I be gluten-free, dairy-free, all these kinds of things? There's not a lot of research to substantiate any specific eating pattern or diet for thyroid. And I generally answer it by saying whatever is good for you overall tends to be good for your thyroid. Because the thyroid reacts, you know, appropriately as long as the feedback loop um, is in place and we have to keep an eye on the levels and adjust the medication as needed. So, for example, if, you know, someone has an illness, they may need more thyroid or more stress, they may need more thyroid hormones. So doing anything you can to take care of your overall system should support the thyroid and we can adjust the medication if we need to. That is great. Great to hear because as someone who struggles with thyroid issues, um, I, I love to, to hear that. And I'm going to ask one more personal question then I'm going to stop hogging the mic because I know Jenna, you have some hot questions in the loop, but as someone who has been privileged, I reside in a straight size body, um, having thyroid issues. A lot of times I'll go, I've gone to a couple different endocrinologists and they'll say, well, you're healthy, right? So just, don't worry about it. And one, my thyroid, before I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, my uh, TPO antibodies were elevated and I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And they were, they basically told me there's nothing you can do. Don't worry about it. That was the advice I got. So I would love to hear your thoughts um, on elevated TPO antibodies and just, you know, regarding inflammation in the body and, uh, Basically, I'm being really selfish right now and asking you, tell me what to do. <laughs> no, 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 go for it. Yeah. So it's tough with Hashimoto's and a lot of autoimmune conditions because we don't have something to really stop the autoimmune process. We end up, you know, an endocrine specifically like, okay, the thought you have thyroiditis, 
your thyroid levels are normal. So do whatever you can to like support your health. And eventually you may become hypothyroid or you may not. Um, but there's really nothing we can give you to like turn off those antibodies, just like type one diabetes at this point, there's nothing we can do other than say you need insulin. So we don't have a way to like get to the bottom of it and treat it, you know, at this point, um, which hopefully at some point we'll be able to turn off the actual driving of the autoimmune process. But for now it's take thyroid medication. Yes. If you feel okay, don't worry about it. I try in my practice, if the levels are like borderline, but they're normal and someone has symptoms, I'll still treat them. If they have Hashimoto's or it's trending towards hypothyroid and someone doesn't feel well, but if someone feels well and they have antibodies, I, I will agree and say, let's just keep an eye on it. With intuitive eating, prepping meals and snacks ahead of time can be a wonderful act of self-care if you are doing that with the intention of wanting to get quick, easy, nourishing fuel in your body. Now remember, you don't have to prep anything ahead of time, but sometimes doing this can be such a game changer for a busy, busy week. So one of my favorite snacks to prep ahead of time are muffins. And I'm talking muffin recipes of all different kinds, but I think muffins are such a yummy, nourishing snack um, that are really wholesome and more importantly, can be frozen. So I'll usually like double or triple a recipe. That way I have batches of muffins in my freezer and I can just pull them out whenever life gets crazy. Now, my favorite flours that I use in my muffin recipes come from Arrowhead Mills and they work perfectly in any muffin recipe. So if you have like a favorite muffin recipe at home, you are more than welcome to substitute one of these in. They have all different flours to choose from. Um, but two of my favorite muffin recipes actually come right off of the Arrowhead Mills website. My two favorites are the whole wheat muffins with blueberries and their pecan muffins are thebomb.com. So whether you're a busy mom on the go, maybe you have a full week of back-to-back -back meetings at work, or if you're just simply like, hey, ladies, at what the actual fork, I need a new snack idea, then I highly recommend checking out Arrowhead Mills Flowers. They have tons to choose from and you can use the code Arrowhead at vitacost.com to receive 15% off any product you want to try. Again, that's code Arrowhead, all one word, all caps, at vitacost.com to receive 15% off all Arrowhead Mills products. Make sure to shoot us a DM and let us know which one is your favorite. Thank you for that. That makes me feel a lot better, actually. And between and, and in addition to that, I think like the the mental health aspect is something too, because like physically. I know a lot of people are like, well, should I eat better? Should I move more? You know, those kind of things. But it's like, what's our stress management like? And that's been something that's been super, super helpful, um, at least in my case. And again, I know everybody's case is different. Um, but Jen, I know you have things you probably want to fire off because I've been hogging the mic. So I'm handing it over to you. No, I mean, that's a perfect entryway. I was just looking for one of your posts, Dr. Gregory, because my biggest question and something that I focus the most in our practice with is the first conversation that I have with people is about stress. And oftentimes I try and have the conversation about how your blood sugars are impacted by your stress, whether you have diabetes or not. And so taking it to like a very 
entry-level doctor's office dietitian conversation, a more digestible explanation, I guess. Can you explain to our listeners why managing your blood sugars is so important for your health and the connection to stress? Sure. So <clears throat> it's a stress response, it's physiologic that the blood sugar goes up or at least stays the same because, for example, like evolutionary speaking, literally speaking, if you're running from like a lion or tiger, whatever the fight or flight example is, you don't want your blood sugar to be low because you want to have readily accessible energy. Um, so under, under conditions of stress, the body produces more cortisol and cortisol makes people resistant to the insulin, which is what lowers blood sugar. So it's really a, a stress response, a fight or flight response, just like blood pressure may go up because you don't want your blood pressure to drop if you're running or in a fight or whatever is going on. So these are all, all typical responses to stress. Therefore, if someone's under longstanding chronic stress, the blood sugar obviously you can extrapolate is going to stay elevated. So dealing with that stress will help mitigate um, some of those responses. So I love this. Sense? Yes. And I love this. This is like my favorite conversation. Um, so the post that you had posted, it's a long time ago. So I apologize for digging into your archives, but you posted, where do you feel your stress? For me, it's the right glute. And so I'm doing a program right now with clients. And one of the questions that I asked my group a couple of weeks ago was, you know, when you feel stressed, like, do you know what your stress response feeling is? And most of them did not know the answer right away until I started like pressing like, okay, how about, and kind of giving some ideas. And so can you kind of talk through this amazing post from 25 weeks ago about how people can like what a feeling of a stress response can feel like in somebody's body? Yeah, no, I mean, I like this post and it was kind of funny because it was my right glute. So even Alexis was like, uh, it's not a little personal. I was like, why? It's a muscle, like whatever. Um, so, but I got a new one now. It's like my right, like scapula. But anyways, so just stop and listen to ourselves. And like, we don't stop. We don't breathe. We're just like constantly like going. And it wasn't until I started developing like a mindfulness meditation practice that I started picking all these things up. Even during meditation, you can kind of feel like, oh, I'm really tight in this area. And doing like body scans is, is a great exercise to kind of listen to your body. Um, if anyone hasn't done that, you can basically probably just Google like body scan meditation. And it's amazing. Like the first time I did it, I noticed like such a discrepancy between the right and left sides of my body. And it was like really eye opening. Um, so just taking a pause and just, if you're under, and it's so hard to do this, I'm terrible at it also, but like, if you're stressed out or like frustrated or whatever, instead of like being like in the moment and clenched up, like stopping and pausing and taking a breath and then just listening to your body and where you feel it could be chest tightness. It could be like muscle tension, you know, any of these like fight or flight type things. It could be a tension headache. For me, it feels like a niacin flush. It feels like the blood just like rushing to every pore of my body. And that's something that I only really recognized recently, probably since having my son, my stress levels have been higher. Um, but that's something I thought it was so interesting that when I really started to speak to these women, somebody said, you know what? I was on a walk the other day and I read a bad email and I just stopped. Like I froze. And she was like, is that a stress response? And I was like, yeah, like that your body just like is in paralysis and you don't 
don't want to do that when you're in fight or flight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get eaten. <laughs> right, right. It could be like heart racing. It could be like shortness of breath. It could be chest tightness. Any of these flushing. Any of these things. Kids, kids bring it out for sure. They can, <laughs> but but even like Danny Tiger knows it, and like Elmo or like whoever, like Spidey and his amazing friends. Yes, yeah, he like tells count, them to, many count to, to calm down. <laughs> yeah, like count to four and like take a deep breath or like whatever you know. So like kids are hopefully gonna like start learning this stuff too, but uh, it's challenging. It is. It's really. It's there's a lot to it, and I think you know I love. I absolutely love that on the first. What or paragraph on your website, like you talk about that for so that people understand, you know, the ideal life balance includes the first thing you wrote on here is stress management. So I love that. I appreciate it so much. And just thank you for your work. Um, okay, yeah, Sam, this is like <laughs> really, this is kind of, this is kind of lame and like cliched and whatever, but like, if you look at the word disease and you break it up into is dis-ease, like not at ease, not at, not at rest. So, mm. you know, stress can be really tied in with a lot of this stuff. I've never heard that before. And I love yeah. that. I feel like I'm going to steal it, but obviously give you credit. And I'll <laughs> tag me. You. Yeah. You, you better tag me. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But I thought of one more thing. Just uh, before we put the stress management part to bed, is it true and like, I know it's nuanced, but your body has like a priority system, right? And when our blood sugars are out of whack, whether we have diabetes or not, that is a priority of our bodies. Can you confirm that? <laughs> that it is something that your body wants to put back into a more normal state? Confirm or yeah. deny, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think your body doesn't work as well when the blood sugar is high, it creates excessive thirst and urination. It can make it harder for wound healing. It could affect energy levels, all these things. So yes, I mean, your body physiologically, I mean, that's why we have this target blood sugars because that's the optimal level. And the goal is to try and figure out how to be in that range most of the time. Thank yeah. you. Okay, Sam, your turn. <laughs> well, I was going to just kind of bounce off what you guys were saying. And I thought everything... I love this conversation for many reasons. And when I went through my intuitive eating counselor certification with Evelyn Tripoli, we spent a lot of time on the research of like sensations that come up in the body. And, and I think it makes so much sense why we don't feel them and or recognize them when we think specifically when we think about if you come from diet culture, right? Because you're told not to trust your body and you're given this list of rules and meal plans or calorie counts or macro ranges of like this, like just do this, right? Um, and then to just think about the amount of stress that that adds on top of everything. If you do have morality associated to food and feel like a bad, air quotes, bad person for eating X, Y, Z. So I would love to hear in your practice, obviously you have a freaking amazing wife that I'm sure complements your practice very well with all that you do. But like these, these conversations we're having today about blood sugar management and or stress, do you find you have to first help people? And I know, again, you're an endocrinologist, so that like, that's your specialty. Is that where they work with your wife first to like kind of address the morality with food, make peace with food, remove the guilt and shame so that they can then start to work on behaviors that feel pleasant. If that makes, if my question makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if 
the person has any history of disordered eating or any of those kind of components, I think there has to be a team-based based approach of working with a, a dietitian to figure out food pairing and things like that, and then to work through whatever you know issues they may have related to food. Or if they don't have issues related to food or any history of that, I I recommend like mindfulness meditation and therapy and all. I mean, who's not stressed these days? I mean, come on. So like, literally, like, even if someone's seeing me, who I try and say, do you have any history of disordered eating, restriction, any of these things? And they say, no, actually, uh, I don't. I still may recommend doing other things to have an outlet. And it could just be movement. It could just be like, doing something they like doing, like painting or whatever, just like something, just like other than working and sleeping. Yes. I like everything that we've talked about today. I don't know if it's just because us three are in this space, right? This weight neutral space. And <laughs> yes. And, and, and we, we really honor stress management, but like sometimes when I hear these conversations, like it's so simple, but it's literally polar opposite of what the entire world is about. <laughs> and how do you, how do you as an endocrinologist how do you keep showing up and not just feel so burnt out? Because do you feel like you're having the same conversations or do you feel like you have to defend your work? Like, I don't know if you ever feel that way, but Jen and I talk about burnout of just being in this space and people just always bringing it back to weight. How do you take care of you? And and what are your, what are your stress management techniques, Dr. Gregory? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely feel burnout and, as I've been discussing or mentioning, I took a mindfulness-based stress reduction course in 2018. Um, it's an eight, for those that aren't familiar, it's an eight-week course, two and a half hours a week. Um, and you basically learn mindfulness and meditation, all these things. And that was huge, huge, huge for me. And I wrote an article um, that MedPage or Medscape um, published on it. And I called it Finding Fascination with Medicine Again. Because I was just so like immersed in just getting through the day of, of patients and thinking about how many phone calls and emails and all this stuff that I had to do that I was losing the pleasure and the enjoyment of like the patient interaction of like the person in front of me and how cool it is that I'm like listening to someone's heart or like having these conversations and hopefully helping people. Um, so I try and really stick with the, the meditation. I, I love yoga. I love spin try and always have things to look forward to be with the family, you know, all the things that we all like know we should be doing, but like my burnout. Yeah. Like a lot of the times I am. And like, I have 25 patients today and you know, this is my lunch break and I'm happy to be doing this, but like, I'm going like a hundred miles an hour. So it's hard to like do these things. It's easy to talk about them, but um, you know, I try and do these things for myself. Thank you for normalizing that because I sometimes feel like such a phony when all I talk about with people is stress management. And last night, my husband literally sent me to his his acupuncture appointment because he was like, something needs to change. You are just not yourself. And, you know, I notice it because I am obsessed with sleep. I love my sleep and I have not been sleeping. The, and my son, God bless him, has been sleeping like a champ. Um, and I'm the one that's awake at night. And I know that something is off and something is not working because that's like a core 
pillar of health that is just not firing for me right now. So thank you for normalizing that as much as it seems like it's an easy thing to do for practitioners that we also struggle with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously it goes without saying we're all human. And um, yeah, sometimes I feel like a phony or a fraud because I'm like talking about all these things that I'm like not doing them or I am burnt out and like whatever, but like it's a process and like, you're not going to be like Zen all the time. And you're not going to be like happy go lucky all the time. And like, we're all going to like go through our stuff and that's just how it, life is, you know? Mm. That's so it's awesome. not, it's not labeling it as good or bad. Like, no. you know, so like, Hey, like I'm anxious right now. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just like on the spectrum of emotions. Yeah. yeah. It's just like a thing. It's just like a label, you know? Yes. And there, there needs to be no shame with that whatsoever um, or, you know, associated with that. Now, I could be totally forgetting or missing the mark here, but I could have sworn when I put an introductory post up about myself a few years ago in the comment section, you and your wife are Swifties. Is this true? Are oh, you you're totally, you're, oh, yeah. You're right about that. I mean, I wouldn't call us Swifties, but you're right that we did go. We were in the Bahamas. I don't know when this was. This was like before kids. It was like 2013, maybe 2012. Um, and Taylor Swift was performing at the Atlantis and we were there. And it was awesome. Like a lot of young girls. And I was like trying to like fit in i was potentially like standing up but also potentially sitting down because there was like a lot of like dads around and like i don't know we were there and it it was fun i love it i only bring that up because when i think about too just like stress relief right music is a big one for me and i don't know why i just like remembered that right now before the interview that or on the interview that i'm like i think he went to a taylor swift concert and that made me like even more um as an endocrinologist like the stamp of approval if you like and do you have you have am i making this up do you have some link with pittsburgh was there also like a pittsburgh thing in that post yes so i um moved to pittsburgh when i was like an infant basically very young um and so i was born in not born there but raised there Steelers fan through and through. My parents still live there. As well. That's what it was. Yeah. I went to University of Pittsburgh. Oh, so was, amazing. Yeah. So we all love Heinz ketchup. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So do you say Yins? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Did I mean, I'm from it? LA. So I spent four years there. And like the first month was like trying to tell people like who asked, like, what are you doing here? You're from LA. So that was like pretty much everything that people talked to me about for like the first month of school. So no, I don't say yens, but but you why can not? speak Pittsburghese, yeah, if you need to, yeah, but if I need to, Yingling and all that stuff. Oh, all the things, all <laughs> yes. the things. Oh my gosh, I love it! I love it. That is such a fun fact about you that I did not know. Well, I would, Jenna. Do you have any lasting questions before we wrap up with our last typical question? No, I'm just obsessed with this conversation and can't wait to release it. (laughs) And and then talk to the wife with a wifey as well to get like a part two of this. But um, so we like to end, you know, of course we talked about so many different things today. And so you can take this question wherever you want it because it's super broad, but just for anybody listening right now that may be thinking about going to an endocrinologist, maybe they currently meet with an endocrinologist or they have thyroid or PCOS issues or whatever is going on with them. What do you want them to walk away from this episode? Remembering what do you want them to hear? What is like 
a really important message, if they only remember one thing coming from you, what would you want that to be? I would say that we can all work on ourselves and, and health promoting behaviors, whether it's stress, like we talked about, or whether it's sleep that we could all probably use a little bit more of these days, all those things. So no matter what someone's weight is, no matter what's going on with them, there's, there's always ways that we can work to improve ourselves and whatever condition you may have, it's probably not your fault. So don't, don't blame yourself. And, and we're all about going forward and, and doing what you can to take care of yourself. And hopefully you can partner with a good team to, to do that. socials and your website information or the best place to find you i should say uh probably instagram everything underscore endocrine i do some twitter dodell md but not that much um and that's it and my website centralparkendocrinology.com yes and the next time jen and i are in the city we need to come swing by and um just thank you so much for being here we can't wait to to get this in the ears of so many and thanks for all that you do All right. Thank you for having me on. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves and follow along with us on social at What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.